For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Lena Kim. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we cover Princeton Preview, Abby Meyer's selection in the WNBA draft, an emergency plan from the Biden administration to address the rapidly shrinking Colorado River, the collapse of Tupperware, and the eruption of a Russian volcano. It's Wednesday, April 12th. If you were on campus yesterday, you may have run into some eager prospective students with black and orange lanyards around their necks, or you might have been one of them. Yesterday, students newly admitted into the great class of 2027 visited campus for Princeton Preview, a one-day on-campus program for all admitted students that serves as, quote, an in-depth introduction to the many dimensions of academic and extracurricular life at Princeton, end quote. Students and family members were able to tour campus, attend departmental fairs, participate in discussions, and meet current students and faculty members. The Prince interviewed a few pre-frosh about their experiences so far. My name is Lauren Pack and I'm from Fullerton, California. Hi, uh, I'm Coco. I'm also from Fullerton, California. Larry Ijafor. Barama Ademalker. My first name is Nana, last name Ajiman. Chloe Roche. What are your sort of initial reactions to Princeton Preview? You've now been here for a couple hours. What are your thoughts? This is like my first time actually like entering the campus because I'm obviously like a West Coast like Californian. So coming here, I'm not used to like the architecture and like the Gothic style, but it's really nice. And it's kind of intimidating for me to think about how I need to settle in with these like residential halls and buildings, but it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And why is it intimidating? Because just, I'm not sure. I can't imagine myself in these Harry Potter looking like buildings, <laughs> but also I did hear like how the courses are hard and like meeting like the, like some of the faculty members is like really like intimidating to see. This is going to be a little corny, but when we went to Whitman to eat lunch, I saw Blake, I saw Blake Peters and Caden Pierce eating lunch. And stop. Okay, stop. I was a big basketball guy. I was fangirling a little bit. And so I texted my dad immediately. That's so that was, really funny. That's been my dad. How would you describe the culture of the school? Well, it's uh, very vibrant, uh, welcoming. There's, uh, there's like strong bonds between everyone. Nice. Yeah. Princeton high on your list of schools. Why did you choose to apply here? Are you committed to the school? Um, first of all, um, the financial aid I had was, was really good for international students. Mm-hmm. And um, also because I once said a liberal arts school that also has a strong engineering program. And also between Princeton and um, Cornell. Mm-hmm. I think I like the campus, the people, and um, the general environments at Princeton here better. Uh, I was really sold on the undergraduate focus, and I right. think that's even in the Dean of Engineering speeches. That was the one thing that I think everyone agreed on. In athletic news, on Monday, Abby Myers, class of 22, and former member of the Princeton women's basketball team, was selected by the Dallas Wings during the WNBA draft. During her senior year, Myers led the Tigers to go 14-0 in the Ivy League and was named as the Ivy League Player of the Year. In the same season, she also led the Tigers to beat six-seed Kentucky Wildcats in the NCAA tournament, single-handedly scoring 29 points. This past season, Myers played as a graduate transfer for the Maryland Terrapins, scoring 14.3 points per game and increasing her averages in steals and assists. Myers was the second Terrapin and the 11th overall selection of this year's draft. When she declared for the draft in March, Myers told the Prince, quote, There are so many amazing teams in the WNBA, and I just looked up to all of them when I was growing up. This whole experience is surreal. It's like a full circle moment, end quote. 
In national news, the Biden administration announced yesterday their emergency plan to save what remains of the shrinking Colorado River, which has been suffering from overuse on top of a 23-year-long drought. The Colorado River supplies drinking water to 40 million people throughout Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, Arizona, California, and Nevada. It also generates electricity for millions of homes and businesses through the dams and its major reservoirs. Compared to historical averages, the river's flow has been reduced by around one-third, which puts those who rely on the river at risk. The decision, which took a different path from legal precedent, proposes an even cut of the river for use by the states of California, Nevada, and Arizona. In financial news, the Tupperware company announced last Friday that it was on the brink of closure. In a going concern notice, the food storage company stated that, quote, if such demand for repay were to occur, the company does not have the financial resources to repay such obligations, end quote. Consequently, on Monday, the share price fell to less than $2. The concept of Tupperware began when suburban women would host gatherings and sell their neighbors resealable bowls and canisters. Tupperware founder Earl Silas Tupper adopted the strategy of home-based sales, which offered homemakers the chance to generate income of their own. However, in recent years, as large competitors emerged, the brand suffered under this home-based business model. Tupperware used to be a mainstay at house parties and backyard barbecues, so much so that even generic reusable containers are often referred to as Tupperware. However, amid struggles to attract young buyers, the company's share price has dropped over 90% over the last year, and it seems like their dominance in the kitchen cupboards is coming to a close. In international news, yesterday, one of Russia's most active volcanoes erupted on the far eastern peninsula of Kamchatka. A giant cloud of ash shot far into the sky and left nearby villages covered in a layer of volcanic dust as deep as 8.5 centimeters. Roughly 24 hours later, a 5.8 magnitude earthquake struck off the coast of Kamchatka, which is suspected to be an aftershock from another earthquake on April 3rd. Although there were no immediate reports of casualties, the volcano erupted for at least 15 hours and a response team issued an aviation warning, stating that, quote, ongoing activity could affect international and low-flying aircraft, end quote. According to the head of the Ust-Kamchatsky municipal region, Oleg Bondarenko, schools on the peninsula were also closed and residents were ordered to stay indoors. Get excited for some more warm spring weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with a high of 80 and a low of 57. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by Philip Wang, Carrie Liang, Noelle Kim, and me. Sound engineered by Carrie Liang and produced under the 147th Managing Board of The Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 22. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Lena Kim. Have a wonderful day.